Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Honey's Happy Hour, a special edition episode where the morning after a pay-per-view, I drink and talk about that pay-per-view. And I'd like to start this first edition discussing last night's NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day with a shout-out to my great-grandfather, who just turned 97 yesterday and is chilling out at home with his dog and some cake in the midst of this, as he described it, unprecedented-in-my-lifetime winter storm that my state is currently experiencing. It is about negative six degrees outside, (laughs) and um, we're all in hell. And what better way to spend an afternoon than in your house, locked away not only by the unprecedented winter storm, but the ongoing global pandemic, than to drink and talk about wrestling and more than that i'd like to start this off with adam cole you traitorous bastard i (laughs) might go i i have to touch on that first because adam cole you traitorous bastard that was fantastic i mean it was well and truly just what NXT needed because I feel like it's been a fairly long time in NXT since we've just had a good old fashioned genuinely shocking betrayal moment and NXT just isn't NXT if some tag team partner isn't trying to beat the shit out of his tag team partner and I guess there was Dakota and uh, Tegan But that just didn't have the emotional gravitas that, you know, Undisputed Era, who have been together for how long? You know, that ending did. So, just thank God NXT has decided to just... And it's not that I don't... I do like Undisputed Era together more than not. So there is a lit there is just a little bit of sadness that we will likely not be getting any undisputed era for a good amount of time. I say a good amount of time because I refuse to believe that they're actually effectively permanently breaking up that group considering the success that Undisputed Era has seen as a group. As opposed to the success that I think they will see broken up. Uh, curious as to how Finn Balor will fit into this as it goes on. But for the actual pay-per-view. So, what did it start off with? It started off with, what, the, uh, the women's Dusty Cup Finals. And another big thank you to NXT for finally just having established tag teams win your Dusty Cups. I know everyone likes the combination, combination, excuse me, uh, Mr. Daniels likes to, uh, jack up my ability to speak real fast. I know everyone likes the combination of Shotzi and Ember. I like Ember Moon. I don't very much like Shotzi Blackheart. I feel like she is the Darby Allen of NXT, and every time I 
watch her, I just think of the Timothy Thatcher promo against Darby Allen, and I get sad. That is nothing against her as a person. I'm sure Miss Blackheart is just a delight. Once again, my phone is going off right at the start of this. <laughs> and, you know, it... Shotzi freaking Blackheart. I just, I want to like her. I liked her when I first saw her. And then I, the more I watched her, the more I was like, this is not for me. It is for a lot of people. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that she brings that kind of deathmatch indie wrestling flair to the NXT women's division. Because I think that's a nice balance to some of the more, you know, powerhouse Raquel Gonzalez, whatever you classify Dakota Kai as. I think it's a nice little balance. And again, Ember Moon, I like her. The shine has kind of worn off on her for me. And I was not exactly happy when I saw that they were having these two team up for, uh, for the Dusty Cup. And that's why it was all the sweeter when Dakota and Raquel managed to win. I think it was nice that they didn't just have, you know, Raquel get the pin. I think it serves them both well to have them do the pin together because is they're very clearly trying to push Raquel much more than they're trying to push Dakota because they've already pushed Dakota, seen it didn't really work, and then decided to move on to Raquel. I think Raquel has a lot of potential. There's, She's shown some real, genuine progression in her in-ring skills and in her character skills. I think working with Rhea Ripley really, really just took her above and beyond as to what she was, you know, before that, when she was, you know, first starting out as uh, Dakota Kai's bodyguard. So I appreciate that they're, while they are very clearly trying to push Raquel, they didn't just make the win about her because it was supposed to be about the team. It was supposed to be about these two women have won the initial Women's Dusty Cup, which if they do this again next year, I hope to God by that time they have just combined all of the tag team divisions because it is far past time for them to just unite the men's tag team division as well. Like, just get... We know you don't care about tag team wrestling. People in charge of NXT and WWE. So just... Get, like, just... Make it all one. Just make it all one big division. Say The women's tag team division is allegedly that already. I don't really think that they remember that. <laughs> but seeing as, I mean, you know, just on SmackDown last week, wasn't that like the first time we've seen the women's tag titles on SmackDown for months? Which sucks because they do have some just very good women's tag teams. Uh, obviously the Riot Squad, I'm pretty down with this Naomi-Lana team-up, as much as I would have preferred it to be Lana and Asuka. God, not Charlotte and Asuka, that was a mess. I, and, you know, uh, what are they called? Flex Appeal? Mandy and Dana? They're fine. I think they're becoming a solid tag team as time goes on. 
it is a little bit of a shame that, you know, uh, Bailey and Sasha weren't together for this first Dusty Cup. Even, not necessarily even as competitors, but I felt like it really would have meant something if we had gotten, you know, a, a shot of Bailey and Sasha together in the crowd for, the, like, the finals of the Dusty Cup. I think that would have really been nice because obviously their history in NXT and together as a tag team just and you know them being two of the people who were the biggest proponents for a women's tag team division I think that was a little bit of a missed opportunity but who knows maybe sometime in the future we will see Bailey and Sasha in the women's Dusty Cup I think that's something that I would like to see I think that's something a lot of people might like to see. The match itself, it felt a little on the messy side, which I kind of expected from the collection of performers that it contained. Nothing against any of them. I just, I haven't found myself quite impressed with the mix of chemistry between those four. It's not bad. It's not great. It's serviceable wrestling that had some really really exciting moments, uh, especially the in there. I always love seeing Raquel do her one-arm powerbomb. I think that's just a blast. You know, for obviously for the people who like Shotzi's uh, more indie deathmatch style, I think she really did get a lot of opportunities to shine in that match, but not necessarily, because again, this is all about pushing Shotzi and Raquel. This is not about Ember and Dakota. But just like with the finish of the match, they didn't make it too much about those two. It was Dakota and Ember got plenty of time. They got plenty of moments. They got... It, it wasn't just focused on the two people that they have very clearly been trying to push. It was a very balanced, very equal match... Which I appreciate. I don't like when tag team matches focus too much on, you know, one person who they kind of want to be the breakout star. I think that was part of the problem with Heavy Machinery. Is that, you know, they were very clearly trying to push Otis when Tucker was just as good. And a similar thing kind of happened with the Iconics. And look how both of those teams ended up. And it just, I mean... it wasn't my favorite women's tag team match I've ever seen, but it was far from bad. I think it was just a enjoyable little open to the pay-per-view. I, you know, I got a kick out of it. It was a perfectly fine match. I imagine if you're a person who's a big fan of uh, Shotzi and Ember, I think even with their loss, you probably would have been pretty pleased because it was just a match where both of them got to show what they can do, show what they're like in the ring, and they've really got a lot of time to shine. If you're a fan of Raquel and Dakota, you are probably very pleased <laughs> because both of them also got time to shine while also keeping, you know, a little bit of a finger on Shotzi and Raquel as the two newer, shinier stars. I mean, I don't like to give things ratings, but if I had to do anything out of 10... Solid eight. Just a just a good match, you know? Good wrestling. And that was something that we saw throughout the night, really. 
that I think I saw, oh gosh, I forgot who it was, but I do think I saw someone briefly touch on that, is that this was NXT doing what NXT does best, um, which I hope they continue to do in the future. Because NXT, even with their limited capacity for a lot of storytelling on the network, they still have so much talent. They have so much creative talent in these wrestlers that there's no reason why they can't be putting on something that is at least near the caliber of what we saw in, let's say, 2017 from NXT. And then I think the next match, I want to say, was the uh, North American title match, which I love Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano is one of the reasons why I'm doing this at all. He is hands down one of my favorite wrestlers. He is ridiculously good at what he does. And I admire him a great deal. And Kushida, not one of my favorite wrestlers, but he's a very good wrestler. Very solid. Just absolute solid base as a wrestler. I think he has the capacity for some very fascinating character work. Um, but that match was too fucking long. I mean, oh my god, that, oh my god, I got up twice in the match to go get food, and both times I came back and I was like, wow, this is still going, huh? <laughs> like, it was, it was, it was a long match. And I recognize that it wasn't even a long match necessarily by, like, wrestling standards, because I don't think you really get to a long match until you, like, go over, like, 20 minutes, and I don't, it may have gone over 20 minutes, I don't think it did. But it uh, was so long. <laughs> that should have been like a 12-minute match at most. And that is not... And none of this is meant as a detriment to either performer. They're both great. Like I said, I genuinely believe Johnny Gargano is one of the best professional wrestlers of his generation. And Kushida, I think, has pretty immense untapped potential. But... Uh, Compared to the rest of the card, that match should have been very short. <laughs> I think it did have a good place on the card, which I do appreciate. Sometimes WWE does not stack their shows in a way that is what I would say ideal. With that being said, it was a... Again, all I can say is it was a solid match. It wasn't super compelling. Um, I don't think Kushida and Johnny Gargano have a lot of like really effective chemistry in the ring together. Um, maybe they just haven't gotten enough of a chance to prove that. I'd be willing to watch, you know, a second go around between them. And it just it just felt like it just dragged. For a while, I felt like they could have fit in all of what they wanted to fit in in a more concentrated match. There were some nice spots. I always enjoy seeing Johnny's DDTs and whatnot. Uh, 
Kushida has some beautiful, beautiful uh, submissions, and a lot of his transitions into a submission are absolutely stunning. Uh, if you go, <laughs> sorry to bring it back to Tim Thatcher, but if you go and watch uh, Kushida and Tim Thatcher from NXT last year, best Kushida match I've seen because it was just two dudes trying to submit each other, and I like that. <laughs> And if you're someone who likes wrestling in the way that I like wrestling, you're going to love that match. And again, it, the one thing that I guess did shock me was that they had Johnny Gargano win and they had him win clean. That seemed weird. I suppose they could be building up to having Johnny lose in a big match right before WrestleMania in a takeover then and April, I guess. March, April, sometime in that area. Um, which wouldn't be a bad decision. I think, you know, obviously emotions are very high uh, around WrestleMania, around just that time of year, because it is obviously the biggest show and whatever takeover precedes it, or I suppose comes after it, depending on how they want to schedule this is obviously also a big deal and it would make sense for them to have you know johnny takeover lose at a pre-wrestlemania takeover as much as i don't necessarily want that because i'm curious about who they could have beat him I mean, it, it really seems like it has to be Kushida, right? If not within the next month, then at a takeover before WrestleMania. It just I can't think of anyone else in their mid-card who is really connected enough to the story. They do have a lot of NXTs between now and then to change that. But it just seems like they don't have enough... They don't really have a... Uh... Sorry, again, a little bit tipsy. Uh, getting tips here. They don't have what I would call a widespread of people available to challenge for the North American title, which I, I think does a disservice to them because there should always be a lot of people available to challenge for your mid-card titles. For the IC title, for the US title, there should always be a lot of people available. Because I remember, and you know, maybe this is the nostalgia filter working, I remember when I was younger, it always seemed like there were a lot of people challenging for these mid-card titles, and it almost felt like there was a lot more movement between the titles. I, you know, grew up... Uh, right in the ruthless aggression era coming off of the attitude era i start i remember wrestling initially in the attitude era and then you know when it transitioned into the ruthless aggression that's when i was like that's when i was like a wrestling fan and i just feel like in that period of time there were more pe it was a more stacked mid card and i think it things just don't function as well when you don't have a very stacked mid card so hopefully, and I mean, obviously, to some degree, they are limited by the pandemic and people being stuck in other countries, people, you know, 
possibly being sick, people staying home for their own health and safety, like Roman Reigns and Kyle O'Reilly did last year. Um, and obviously for those reasons, there's sometimes nothing you can do. There are sometimes external forces that prevent you from doing what might be best. And, you know, in, in that instance, it sucks. It's shit. And that's just how it is. With the North American title, though, it, it again, it does suck especially because that title has kind of always been pretty prestigious. They've done a good job keeping it as a serious title. And when you don't have enough people vying for that, it kind of takes some of the prestige away. Um, so hopefully they find, of course, if they would, and I'm getting closer to the microphone because this is important, if they just let the women compete for it, they might not have as much of a problem. <laughs> but I'm sure I'll do an entire... A full three-hour live stream on why intergender wrestling just needs to be a thing in WWE. But that will not be today, because I actually have to start cooking dinner fairly soon. And... Mm, it goes down easier the more you drink. <clears throat> so, also, random... Uh, drinking tip for those of you who do imbibe uh, please drink a lot of water when you are consuming any kind of alcohol uh, staying hydrated while you are inebriated 100% makes everything about it easier, smoother, safer happier please stay hydrated <laughs> And obviously stay hydrated in general, but fun drinking tip from uh, someone who has done a lot of that. <laughs> and back to the uh, <laughs> pay-per-view review. So, again, I would have kept this match a little bit shorter between Johnny and Kushida. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. This wasn't, you know, like a super big deal takeover, so I think it's okay that things weren't, you know, across the board phenomenal, and because you can't get that every single time anyway. So, again, I don't like to do ratings, but I might as well since that's ever so popular in the wrestling podcast world. I... Six out of six point five out of ten. I'll give him a point five because again, I just love Johnny Gargano so much, and I just think he's utterly fantastic at what he does. And you know, no disrespect to either man, it just seemed like it. It didn't quite hit the way that I thought it was going to, knowing what both men are capable of. And again, that. Is bound to happen. You can't bat a thousand every time. So, not a big deal. It was a good match. I think people who are fans of Kushida and people who are fans of Johnny Gargano came out of that pleased. Because it was in no way embarrassing for either of them. Of course, 
maybe we also do need to have an episode where I talk about how fans need to learn how to handle wrestlers' losses a little bit better. The next match, I think, was the uh, finals of the men's Dusty Cup, which... (sighs) MSK seem great. They really do. They seem like fine young men. I'm enjoying them in the ring. Uh, Wes Lee, especially. Uh, I think the other one doing the Bronco Buster is a a little weird, considering that they kind of have the DX colors going on. But uh, if he's a fan of X-Pac and wanted to do a little uh, shout-out to him, good for him. Uh, MSK seem great. I know their history outside of WWE. They just, I mean, they're a fantastic tag team. I think it's good that we got two established tag teams, even though one hasn't necessarily been established in WWE for very long. I think it's good that we got those two teams in the finals as much as I did, of course. Little biased me want to see Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa in the finals. I think it's good. I think it's very positive that we got those two teams in the finals. Uh, why the fuck did MSK win? <laughs> uh, I am so curious as to that because I mean, I almost think the grizzled young veterans are being written off of NXT because why would you have these guys get to the finals two years in a row and then not have them win either? Because they're a very good tag team. <laughs> They're a very good tag team. The cohesion is there. The aesthetics are there. The history is there. They're very, very good at what they do. And they could be absolutely wrecking NXT's tag team division if they got booked that way. And thinking about NXT's tag division right now, I don't I don't really see why they're not <laughs> in that position. And I have never paid much attention to the Grizzled Young Veterans. And in fact, for the entire time that they have been a part of NXT, I have not really been able to differentiate them from the Forgotten Sons, which I do feel bad about now that I do feel like I'm a fan of the Grizzled Young Veterans. Um, (laughs) I do feel a little bad that I have just... Again, it's one of those things where... It's guys you don't pay a lot of attention to. They all kind of mesh together. I feel bad. I do. (laughs) Especially considering what's happened to the Forgotten Sons. Which, real quick, uh, the Forgotten Son that's left, maybe they should think about just putting him back with Buddy Murphy. (laughs) Like, no Alexa this time, because the world has moved past a need for Alexa. But, you know, just... Because I think the only one that's left... Well, the... Well, that one is on Raw. But the only one left on SmackDown, I want to say, is that Wesley Blake guy. So, maybe it's time to revisit Blake and Murphy. (laughs) Since they seem to have just thrown Buddy Murphy to the wayside for some reason. Which is incredibly frustrating. As a Buddy Murphy fan. Because, what the fuck, Vince? What the fuck? But 
with the Crimson Young Veterans, I just, I truly do not see. I guess maybe they didn't want to have two heal wins across both Dusty Cups, which I understand. I think they could have avoided that a few different ways. Um, and again, it's, I have nothing against MSK. I think they're great. It's just, it, it seemed really weird to have these two guys who have been here for a month and a half, if that, win something as notably prestigious as the Dusty Cup. And again, I'm I'm not I'm not necessarily mad so much as I am just a little confused and maybe a little bit mad on behalf of the vets just cuz sorry if you heard that I had to move my pillow. Um <laughs> I just it it's it's weird. It was a weird decision. It wasn't bad. I think it was nice that they had that, you know, feel good moment, especially cons well <laughs> Considering how the night ended, I think it's really good they had that feel-good moment. It just... I just... I don't know if I would have gone with that. I think they had a good opportunity with the vets. I think, again, it almost makes me think they're just being written off of NXT, which does not seem like a smart choice. As much as the Raw and SmackDown tag team divisions could probably use some bolstering. Because... I'm not going to lie, I don't, most of the time, remember who the tag champs on Raw and SmackDown are anymore. It, it almost doesn't exist in my head. And, you know, match the match itself was exactly as good as I thought it would be. I know MSK is good. I know uh, GYV. <laughs> is good. They're both great tag teams. They're both very fun to watch in the ring. It just was what it needed to be. It was a good showing of their tag team division. And I do think that is one of the areas in which it would have been maybe not quite as service as well serviced if, you know, Tim Tom had gone to the finals. As much as I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> so I do think that in the sense that it showed what NXT's tag team division is like and what it can be like, I think they excelled. And at the end of the day, sometimes in wrestling you do just need the feel-good win. You know, even if that's not necessarily always what I what me and other fans think is best for the story. Sometimes, especially in a world so full of shit as we find our world, sometimes you do just need the feel-good moment. The feel-good win. The heroes come out on top. The bad guys lose. That's important. That's something that wrestling needs. And it needs it because we need it. So, match overall, great, solid, I'd watch it again, gladly. Uh, I mean, 9 out of 10, because I still a little bit think that the vets should have won. But that's the only thing keeping it from being a real 10 out of 10. Um, 
I will say also with this rating system, uh, matches have to really, really suck for me to give anything lower than a five. I mean, they have to suck a lot. Um, if you want a good example of like a one out of 10 match or two out of 10, because it's entertaining and how bad it is. Watch, uh, I want to say it's the undertaker and Kane brothers, brothers of destruction versus chronic from like the invasion angle from the early 2000s, find that on the WWE network and, um, be amazed at how bad it is. So the match after that was the women's title match. And I gotta say, I was surprised, I think, the most by this. Because it wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It was not terrible. It was not unpleasant to watch. But it felt, it also did feel a little bit similar to the uh, North American title match and that it kind of just went on without a sense of investment. And I think it was a little Tony and Mercedes heavy for a match with Io Shirai because Io is obviously a wrestling god and it's it, it felt like she just didn't do a lot. And it almost makes me feel like it should have just been a number one contenders match between Tony and Mercedes. That being said, I think the girls did good. I think anytime Io Shirai steps in a ring, you're going to have a good time. I think Tony Storm... I've, I've never been... <sighs> incredibly impressed with Tony's in-ring ability. I like her aesthetic uh, as someone who likes spikes and kick-ass sunglasses. I do appreciate her. Uh, I think Mercedes is settling in nicely to the uh, almost Cassius Ono role of not necessarily being there to win a whole lot, but being there to you know, use their expertise and, you know, veteran status in the, in the industry to kind of help others. I think that's nice. You know, I think it's, uh, I just, I think it's nice that I feel like that's where she's really settling in and, I mean, it, again, the match itself, it wasn't bad. It just, it did not capture me in the way that a women's title match on NXT usually does. And, I mean, that's really all I have to say about it. There was a lot of very good wrestling in it. It just didn't feel... None of the matches, none of the title matches really felt high stakes. Do you know what I mean? It was never like a... All of the outcomes felt very obvious. The only shock was Kushida not winning. But even then, 
it didn't really shock me that he didn't. Maybe they were saving all of the uh, shock for the end of the night. I mean, the women's title match, I always enjoy EO's spots. I think it was nice to see Mercedes get to do a little bit of power work. Tony, good wrestler. Good to watch. But it was maybe also a 6.5. Just because it didn't feel like there was any real risk. Any real emotional stakes. And again, just having come to the realization that maybe they were just saving that for the end of the night. And moving on to, obviously, the main event of Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne in a very, very British-style wrestling match. <laughs> um, and I say that, and I may sound like I'm disapproving. I am not. I enjoy the whole UK strong-style wrestling. Oh, whiskey is weird when it's warm. Uh, I enjoyed this match. Me and my family were making a bunch of Britain versus Ireland jokes the entire time. Uh, because I, uh, I watch pay-per-views with uh, my parents. Actually, I don't watch them by myself. I watch them with my parents, and it's a bright spot in months of absolute hell that, you know, the world has decided to wreak upon us all of the time. It was a good main event. Again, it didn't feel like there was a lot of real risk of Finn Balor losing his title. There was one uh, near fall in particular where I was like, I was like, are they going to surprise us? Um, and I enjoy Pete Dunne a great deal as a wrestler. I enjoy Finn Balor too. Um, but when you don't feel like there's any real risk of a champion losing, it does take some of the shine out of a match. And they did the absolute best with, excuse me, the time they had, the story they were telling. I think, I mean, I guess we're just continuing this uh, Finn Balor, Pete Dunne thing, given the post-match attack, which I don't know how I feel about, because I think maybe it's time to just move Finn on. I think after Karrion Cross is done with Escobar, he probably should just go to Finn and um, they should get it over with because we know that title is going back on on Killer Cross. We know that. Um, or at least I hope we all know that. I feel like we all know that. Which I don't disagree with as a decision. Obviously his NXT title reign was cut short. Um... But it it seems, you know, almost inevitable. But again, maybe NXT will surprise us like they did at the end of the night. <laughs> uh, I gotta admit, I'm a little I'm a little worn out 
as much as I do like Pete Dunn, I am a little worn out on like the joint manipulation and the nonchalant attitude. It's it's not that it doesn't work. It's just that I feel like they need to inject some new life into Pete Dunn. I'm not sure how they would go about that. It's not that this isn't, like, again, it's not that this isn't working. I just feel like there's more that he could be doing. I think it's unfortunate that they don't really have a consistent person for him to play the straight man to. Because I think Pete Dunn does work best when he is playing the straight man to someone, like he did with Matt Riddle. Um, Finn, always great, always solid in the ring. I don't really care for his title reign. I honestly keep forgetting that he is an XT champion. In my head, I think it's vacant or Killer Cross is still champion. And it's just because I just have not... It's not that I haven't been impressed with Finn's matches. I think his match quality has not gone down as champion. I think it's just kind of the character aspect. It just feels like he's walking a fine line between heel and face, but walking it backwards blindfolded and maybe a little drunk. And I just... I think you have to be careful with your guys who are in a gray area. Because it gets harder to tell, especially if you're trying to make them like a cool, badass face. Because at one point, you kind of just make them a face who's doing things that a heel does. And that's not something that is always bad. It has worked for a lot of people, obviously, most notably, you know, Razor Ramon. Character-wise, absolute dickwad. Did, was just so mean to people. But he was a face because he managed to make it cool. Finn Balor's current character isn't really cool and I think when you want a face who is doing those kind of more heelish things has that more heelish attitude it really does have to be carried by someone who can make it seem cool and <laughs> I just don't know if Finn can do that I think he needs to be pretty clear cut in his role as a healer or face like, if he's a heel, he needs to be doing heelish things. If he's a face, he needs to be doing face things. Um, though I am concerned. <laughs> I will say, as I mentioned, I do think it's inevitable that Karrion Cross is going to be the one to take the NXT title off of Finn Balor. There is some concern, I will say, that they will use that as an opportunity to bring the demon back. And I don't really think that would be the right time. I think it is not unlikely that they will do that. And if they do decide to go that route, I'm sure that Finn and Killer will carry it beautifully. But I don't know. Part of me just doesn't want to see the demon actually lose. But I guess that would be a good way to put over Killer Cross. We'll just have to wait and see. And... As for last night's match, I enjoyed it. I would probably watch it again. 
just to kind of get a closer look at some of the details, some of the finer moves, because again, it was a very, uh, I would say, UK style match, which is not bad. It's, again, I enjoy the UK style of wrestling where it's not a lot of, I guess, showy flourishes. It's a lot of very mat-based wrestling and a lot of submissions, a lot of that joint manipulation. I do enjoy that. I do think that it's, you know, visually appealing. I think it gives a little bit more focus on the wrestlers themselves and what they are trying to do. So, good match. Again, I would probably watch it more than once just to get a closer look at everything to kind of, you know, re-envision it. 7 out of 10. Because it wasn't perfect. And not having those real stakes really did. It, it just took a little bit of the, the shine out. And I do hope that whomever challenges Mr. Ballard next... I do hope that we do see a little bit more of a high-stakes feud. Uh, and then Adam Cole kicked the shit out of Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. Um, which, I mean, I... You know, I have not been that shocked in wrestling since. I'd say either uh, when Edge came back last year, or I would say maybe... When Roman came back after his little excursion for the pandemic. Because I kind of, I mean, I think we all had come to the conclusion that the Undisputed Era was about to break up. And what I didn't necessarily want them to because I kind of had this dream of the Undisputed Era goes to the main roster and they attack Drew McIntyre and we see Adam Cole versus Drew McIntyre because I know those two can put on a good feud and a good match. A very good match. WWE actually recently posted a link to some kind of fucking live event match where Shawn Michaels was the guest ref and it was Adam Cole versus Drew McIntyre and if you can track that down, please watch it. It's so good. It's so good. You see Adam Cole at his like Peak chicken shit heel. Uh, good undisputed era work. Drew McIntyre being just a fantastic babyface champion. Shawn Michaels being Shawn Michaels. It has everything you could want out of those men. And, you know, obviously, a little part of me was hoping that we'd see that in the near future. Maybe after WrestleMania. Excuse me. Which I suppose we will probably not be saying now unless they just find a way to just swerve us real bad. Which they always could. You really can't have anything be out of question when it comes to Vince McMahon and the people who run NXT. And so... I... I almost, I almost think I just don't like the idea, necessarily, of a Kyle O'Reilly-Adam Cole feud. Because, 
they've both been in, in a, they've both been in the undisputed era for so long. All four of them have that I worry a little bit about what they'll be able to do either split up into I imagine either one of them goes solo and the other two stay with the other one or split down the middle evenly or just broken up entirely. I hope that they do not break them up entirely. I think it might be wise if we saw maybe a split down the middle where Roderick Strong, you know, joins uh, either Adam or Kyle. Bobby Fish joins either Adam or Kyle. So we don't get any of them necessarily stuck on their own. Because I don't, I can't imagine that, I'm sorry, someone is calling me. And now someone is not. <laughs> because I can't imagine Bobby Fish and Roddy Strong being a team on their own without Adam or Kyle involved. But I think it would, because we've seen Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly together so much, I think it might add a little bit of that like extra betrayal spice if Bobby Fish came back and turned on Kyle O'Reilly to join Adam Cole. But I think it would be just as well served if he didn't and we just got Bobby saying, fuck you, Adam, and joining Kyle. And then maybe having Roderick, you know, start off on Adam's side and then turn on him and go join Kyle and Bobby. Um, because I... <laughs> The two people I'm really worried most about this breakup for are Bobby and Roddy, just because what are they without the Undisputed Era? Because I think, at the end of the day, I think Adam Cole can be fine on his own. I don't know about Kyle. I would hope so, because I like Kyle O'Reilly a lot. But it's hard to envision, especially for, and I do say, especially for people who have pretty much only ever seen them in NXT. I think it's going to be harder for a lot of those fans, like myself, who have pretty much only seen these four guys in NXT. I think it's going to be harder for those people to envision them on their own. Like, I think it's going to be harder for those people in particular to envision, excuse me, Kyle O'Reilly on his own or Roddy Strong on his own. And, like, that's one of the reasons why I really didn't... I also... I'm a little tired of teams breaking up because I feel like we've seen a lot of teams break up. And they had a really good opportunity to kind of shove Undisputed Era towards Raw, which is currently Land of the Factions. Um, so I do feel like there are some missed opportunities in the midst of this. And I just... I mean, I feel like I'm not necessarily invested in the story that they're telling here, especially if they keep the one thing I really don't want that I think they might do is to keep Finn Balor involved. 
because I can see them kind of trying to push uh, Adam thought Kyle was going to try and get Finn to join the Undisputed Era and that shit weren't going to fly with him. And I just, I don't really want to see that. Because <laughs> it feels like another instance of, especially when you look at Shotzi and Ember being put together, Tim Tom being put together, the idea of them really actually putting Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly together after having just put those two teams of singles wrestlers together, it just feels weird. Like, it feels wrong. It feels like they're relying on that too much because NXT has, in the past, fairly often relied on shoving two singles wrestlers together who are in their main event or upper mid-card and being like, look at this new tag team, like Aleister Black and Ricochet, or Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, or Samoa Joe and Finn Balor, and I could probably keep going. And it's not that those teams are always, like, destined to fail or anything. I think oftentimes you can find a beautiful connection in those. It just... It just seems like too much at once. And... I just, I genuinely hope that this does kind of keep contained to the four men in Undisputed Era. Um, though, again, as I've mentioned to uh, a handful of people, I think in like five to eight months, we're going to see Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly get back together. And we're going to see a future shock thing going on. Which, for any of you who don't know, Future Shock is the name of the tag team that Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole were a part of together back on the independent circuit. Because all four of these guys have worked together for a really long time, but that's why I say that people who are fans of NXT, but not necessarily these people before they come to NXT, they might not get that history. And it might be something that they have to go and learn. Which... If you want to do that, invest the time in, uh, go right ahead. There's a really interesting history between, like, Adam and Roddy, Kyle and Bobby, uh, Kyle and Adam. And it's just, it's something that I can see them so easily fumbling, which worries me. Because I don't really want them to fumble this group of men who have really been one of the pillars of NXT um, for a very long time at this point. And I can see why they broke them up. But it almost would have been more surprising if they didn't. You know, if they didn't. If they kept them together. Because at this point... A tag team staying together is a lot more surprising than being broken up in WWE right now. Overall, NXT TakeOver, Vengeance Day. Solid 7 out of 10. I'll give it a 7.5, and that little .5 is for the fact that I sat there with my jaw hung open after Adam Cole kicked Kyle O'Reilly in the face. Um, and I suppose I will end this on the same note that I started it on. Adam Cole, you traitorous bastard. 
I hope you're having a great day today. Because at the end of the day, as much as I do hate the trend of people being broken up, tag teams being broken up, I love a good moment. And that was a moment. So, thank you all for joining me in the first edition of Honey's Happy Hour. Uh, if you happen to be in any part of the United States that is currently experiencing the horrific and unprecedented winter storm, please stay warm. Please stay dry. Uh, remember to just keep all of the cold out of your house as much as possible. I'm very sorry if you are also going to be any of the people experiencing rolling blackouts. Uh, and you know what? Maybe take a little drinky drink in the words of Roman Reigns to help deal with the absolute nightmare that we continuously find ourselves living in. Oh, goodness. It's just so warm and so bad. But good at the same time. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> uh, cheers.